In this section, I wanted to talk about poverty, particularly poverty in relationship to the issue of homelessness. Look, in San Francisco, I recognize probably the most visible vexing issue that defines so much of people's frustration and angst, uh, that defines the best of San Francisco and arguably at times the worst is the issue of homelessness and panhandling. Uh, people come in and visit the city and inevitably they say it's a beautiful city. My gosh, what are you doing about the issue of panhandling and homelessness? And sometimes they interchange the two, uh, which is something I want to talk about because panhandling is not homelessness. Homelessness is not panhandling. doesn't mean they're not at times one and the same, but more often than not, panhandlers are not homeless and we need to address the issue differently. But the bottom line in our city is that we've moved in a different direction. We believe fundamentally, that food solves hunger, that shelters solve sleep, and that housing solves homelessness. And if we're going to solve the problem uh, of those that are out on the streets that we define as homeless, we better solve the housing problem if we're going to have an impact. And that's why we established this framework, what we call a 10-year plan to end chronic homeless in San Francisco. Now, a lot of people across this country have adopted similar plans, but we're very proud of our plan, the robust nature of the plan, and the leadership of Angela Alioto and others on our plan that we think have done an outstanding job in a very short period of time. And let me be specific about what that job has entailed. To date, some 8,590 three people are off the streets since we started. Now, I'm very proud of just a few years, we've gotten over 8,500 people, human beings, off the street, specifically through our Care Not Cash. And remember, almost everybody said it couldn't be done. Converting cash to guaranteed access of services, we have done that for literally 2,434 people. And we've initiated a program that has actually reduced our total caseload, and it's not a static caseload, and that's why the number on the left is not as high as would otherwise appear. We've reduced our caseload some 83%. 2,400 plus human beings have the dignity of a key, a lock, and a door in a house because we had the courage not to listen to all those experts down at City Hall and move in a different direction, and I'm proud we did. 8,500 people off the streets, 24-plus hundred people in this program that have now been housed, that are not receiving an inadequate amount of care uh, by cash, but are getting an adequate amount of care in form of housing. Now we, of course, need to do more. And so that's why we continue to advance other initiatives to get us to those 10-year goals. And that includes new units for chronically homeless. And this is the most difficult part, actually building out new units. We do it through two different ways. We build the units or we build out by rehabbing old units and leasing under a master leasing program uh, those units. You can see just when I started in 2004, 2005, we had 408 units for chronically homeless in the city. By the way, that was a lot by state standards and national standards, but just 408. Look at where we are today, 2,076. You can see the number leased, 752 versus 300, and the number owned. And this is the bigger number. We went from 108 to 1,324 owned. And next year, these are the FYO 10 numbers. These are the ones we're committing to in the new year. You can see that that graph only increases in spite of a lot of the budgetary constraints. This is something I'm very proud of. And as San Franciscans, I think we should all be proud of. It's never good enough 
but compare and contrast where we were. We're making a lot of progress. Here you can see just the total number of uh, individual homeless uh, that have been housed, and a lot of those in the units, uh, multiple people in some units. You've seen a 199%, 200% increase in just four years of the number of homeless that are housed. 1,736. Uh, now, in the first quarter of 08-09, you're going to see folks, 5,186 folks uh, that are housed, well on our way to reaching our 10-year uh, goal to end chronic homeless in the city. Here's how we're doing it, and here's some more specifics. Supportive housing. This is our approach. Housing first, a direct access to housing model. Get out of the shelter business. Again, uh, shelter solves sleep, housing solves homelessness. We have invested an unprecedented amount of money into this new portfolio, this new stock of housing that's all coming online in the next year or two. Let's be specific. Parkview Terrace, uh, this one came online earlier this year. This is a direct access to housing building for seniors that opened in March. 20 units specifically for chronically homeless with supportive services, 80 units overall. The Allen Hotel, which opens just in a few weeks here, is the first master leased building through our human service agency. This is 64 units that specifically will serve our housing outreach teams. This is a big deal. These are the folks that are going out there every day, I'm gonna talk about them in a minute, that are reaching out, bending down on one knee, lifting other people up, getting them into programs, but so often we don't have housing, now they're gonna have more housing in their portfolio. Here are some other housing units that are coming online, all towards that 10-year goal. 2008, 2009, 2009, 2009. 2009, an exciting year. 999 Polk, 50 units for chronically homeless. You've got Mosaica, which is 31 units for seniors and, uh, and for families. The Arnett Watson, which is 83 units. And then you've got the 10th Mission Family Housing, which is 44 units for homeless families. And I want to talk about homeless families in one second as well. But first, let's talk about uh, women and seniors and then families. Increased support for homeless women. We have a 65 unit building uh, that now is going to be up and running. There's a picture uh, of that building that's gonna be exclusively targeted at women. We need to do more for homeless women, uh, but we're going to be making a real investment into this next year. You see the investment again, I referenced seniors, some of those housing units that I just showed you, 999 Polk, uh, 9th and Jesse, a new one in 2010. Another one, of course, which is the big one, the old Goldman site, uh, the, uh, the Institute on Aging at Gary Senior Housing will finally open up in 2010 and then the uh, Arendt uh, in 2010 as well. So again, seniors, big part of the portfolio commitment in the next year or two will be seniors, not just uh, women and not just, again, single adults. Families, again, I get it. I hear it all the time. We are not doing enough for homeless families. It doesn't get, they do not get the attention that chronically uh, homeless individuals do. You can see here the Arnett Watson and the Tenderloin is opening up in early 09. Uh, we've got the Mission District, uh, the Mosaica opening up in early 09, and then that 10th and Mission. Uh, that's 131 new affordable homes uh, by the end of 2009 uh, for homeless families. We've got a specific goal working um, uh, over uh, at uh, the Mayor's Office of Housing on a goal of 3,100 housing units targeted uh, to families, affordable housing units in the next few years. I'll talk more about that in a moment. But homeless uh, families, the most vexing and challenging, the most uh, heart-wrenching as well, uh, the city is really starting to step up. Again, 
Still a drop in the bucket. I get that. We could do more and do better. But a lot of really exciting things happening into the new year. Uh, in addition to that housing, though, uh, we're also doing the rental subsidy program. Trent Rohr, uh, the director of the housing, uh, or rather health, uh, the HSA, uh, is doing, Human Service Agency, is doing a really outstanding job promoting this program uh, with the Department of Public Health, promoting similar programs uh, for these rental subsidies, uh, $2.3 million in short-term rental subsidies uh, that will help pay the rent to keep people housed in the first place. Uh, we have other subsidies that are being provided for other families. You can see here uh, this is a program uh, that some have criticized as being imperfect, but I'm very proud of what Trent uh, has done at HSA, and I'm very uh, proud that this program has made the impact on a number of lives uh, that you see referenced here. I mentioned the homeless outreach teams. You know, when I started, as mayor, there was no homeless outreach teams. There was no one going out proactively to get people off the streets. Literally, see here, when I started, there were zero. We brought 18 folks out, and we brought up to 36. We're going to have 38 outreach workers into this new year. Here's why it matters. Take a look at this slide. When we had 15 outreach workers, here's the work they were doing. They had 371 clients. We're going to double it. They're going to have 854. That's a 130% increase, double the number of outreach workers. They're getting primary care, Medi-Cal. They're getting benefits, permanent housing. All of these stats go up. More outreach workers, more people's lives have changed. The more people's lives have turned around. That's why that hot teams are so important. That's why we're so committed to it. We need, though, to augment that housing outreach with more volunteers. Uh, one of the things I'm particularly proud of as mayor is engaging the public to be part of the solution around the issue of homelessness. It used to be before people would come up to me and say, hey, mayor, what are you doing about homelessness out on the streets? I said, well, what are you doing? And people wouldn't know how to react. And it wasn't a way of abdicating responsibility, but it was a way of saying, look, we should engage together and being part of the solution. The problem was I didn't have any place to send them. And that's why we initiated a program called Project Homeless Connect. Since October 2000. And four, we've had over 18,600 volunteers, 18,600 volunteers. Again, I'm so confident Barack Obama in his inaugural address is going to talk about the spirit of volunteerism, being part of the spirit of the renewal of America. Well, come out to San Francisco. Take a look at what we've done on the most challenging of issues, homelessness. Almost 20,000 individual uh, uh, volunteers. Uh, we've had uh, dozens and dozens of these Project Connects. Another one on December 3rd. Uh, and look at this. 2,685 people have moved off the streets. We've got people that have received mental health uh, programs and substance abuse programs. Legal assistance, a big part of it. Uh, methadone treatment. Uh, people on housing. It's been transformative. And it uh, su doesn't surprise many that it's been replicated now. Project Connected. 100 plus cities across the country. December 8th is Project Homeless Connect Day in the United States of America. It's just something I, I couldn't be more proud of and something that uh, I just want to take the time to thank citizens of San Francisco uh, for supporting and for uh, volunteering, as well as businesses that have really stepped up to the plate, Lens Crafters and FedEx and uh, other companies that have come to the forefront. Uh, a lot of companies volunteering their time and energy uh, as well, Salesforce.com. All these companies have come together uh, and invested a lot of resources in making this uh, uh, such a successful program. SMG, I can go on. A lot of great folks. You know who you are. Thank you. Another thing we need to do, though, as we move into the new year is deal with 
street population, not just with the homeless outreach teams going out and trying to bring people, but we also need to change people's behavior out in the streets and sidewalks. Look, again, it's not right to run someone down the streets or sidewalks, to be aggressive and panhandling. It's not right to stop someone from being able to take their kids in a stroller and walk them down to a park or playground and have needles in the parks uh, or in the sand or have the uh, inability to actually uh, get into a car or vehicle because people uh, have shopping carts there. Look, I understand uh, the sensitivities on both sides, uh, but again, there needs to be a reciprocal relationship. That's why we initiated a streets and neighborhood work group, 18 members, members of the Coalition on Homeless, members of the faith-based community, CBOs, city employees. They all came together and they said, look, let's positively focus on ways that we can reduce those conflicts between behaviors on the streets and sidewalks and make the streets and sidewalks our living rooms available to everybody without being too punitive, without throwing people uh, with citations in and out of the criminal justice system and not solving any problems. Uh, and that's why we focused on a series of initiatives, backing up, looked at creating special enforcement zones, drug-free zones to deal with the quality of life issues of all the drug dealing. Again, think Tenderloin, think Mission Area, think um, parts of Mark, think a lot of parts of our city where we could do more and do better. Uh, looking at prioritizing treatment in these areas, prioritizing uh, with our outreach workers access to services. Again, trying to create opportunities to, again, be sensitive and thoughtful. Uh, one of the areas that we're focused on is creating an alcohol impact area, good neighbor policy in the Tenderloin with a lot of the liquor uh, stores where we say, look, stop selling alcohol at six in the morning by giving payday loans to people or becoming the rep payee on SSI where you're basically using your resources to become a bank and the only thing you're distributing is credit to get alcohol uh, to people who clearly are abusing alcohol. Why don't we become good neighbors? We'll promote you. We'll encourage people to shop at your liquor stores. Uh, but in this area, let's recognize there are a lot of liquor stores and the impact of alcohol is having a deleterious effect on people's lives, not least of which the people that are purchasing that alcohol. So we just initiated this new good neighbor uh, policy in the Tenderloin. It's still a pilot, still a lot of work to be done. Too early to tell if it was a big success or not, but something that was initiated in 2008. I talk about quality of life in terms of panhandling. We're going to roll out a new panhandling campaign. Alternative panhandling. We did something with parking meters. We promoted it. A lot of people sort of made fun of it, said, oh, that's just a terrible idea. The idea was to use those parking meters where you can actually put a quarter in, and instead of giving it to a panhandler, we'll take that quarter and put it to a program that will help that panhandler substantively what their lives. Uh, but we did it in order to use it as an anchor, as we will in the early part of next year for this Giving Change is Not Making Change campaign to educate people about the impact of giving out money to panhandlers. And the fact, just here's the reality, the overwhelming, not exclusively, but the overwhelming majority of the time, that money's not being used for its intended or at times advertised purpose. It just is not. And if it was, I wouldn't do this campaign. It's killing people. There are guys you give that last dollar to that go around the corner and shoot that dollar up and are dead. You don't see it as you drive away or walk away. You feel good that you've done something right. When in fact, you really haven't. 
Doing something right sometimes takes even more responsibility than handing out money and walking away from the problem. We believe we can help people do the right thing and deal with that urge to give money on the spot, which is something, look, I'm not immune to doing either. And so I understand it. There's always those exceptions. And that's why I want to do this giving change is not making change campaign and come up with an alternative strategy to help panhandlers uh, in a way that actually turns their lives around. This should not be a choice profession. There's a poverty issue that's underlying panhandling. Not all panhandlers are homeless, but that means we recognize their behavioral health issues, their substance abuse issues, their vocational deficiency issues, there's educational issues, and there's behavioral issues. And we can help support the underlying reason people are out there, but we can't do it if people keep giving out a quarter or 50 cents or a dollar or five or ten dollars. Again, good intention doesn't always produce the best result. That's part of this program and this strategy. And here's why um, we need the help. Look at the quality of life citations. This is where people, this is why we did the safe streets strategy. This is why we need help in terms of addressing some of the street behavior. As we do all these citations, disproportionately concentrated in the Tenderloin. Look at all these citations. This is the area, the city, that's just been dominant in terms of the challenges and problems. Most other parts of the city, it's an issue mostly along uh, corridors, commercial corridors, but it's a Tenderloin area that we need to capture. And that's what this streets group is focusing on. What are they getting cited for? What are those citations? Alcohol-related. Alcohol, 2,788. You've got panhandling. There you are, 1,242. That's aggressive panhandling. People running you down when you're going to the theater. People, again, scaring families uh, because uh, they're just, they may be a little tipsy and they may not notice what they're doing. Other folks doing the right thing and are passive, but again, some that are not, we end up citing them. People camping, trespassing. Rather than going through this revolving door where we just keep citing people, nothing gets done, lives aren't turned around, we need to do more and do better. Again, that's the idea. We need to get them in things like medical respite centers. We've got a new one opening up. This is a big deal into the new year. 80 beds will be opening up, fully ADA-compliant Americans with Disabilities Act. Uh, we've got on-site kitchen for food prep. This is a comprehensive program. It's an eighth in mission. Uh, the respite center is something that we've been talking about for two years. Finally, uh, we're going to be funding in the new year. Community Justice Center, I talked about it in other sections of the presentation. Uh, this is important. Again, rather than having a revolving door justice, rather than having people cited for quality of life violation, rather than having people go in and out of the criminal justice system where nothing changes, there's no pattern interrupt, there's nothing that inherently changes their lives, they never get the programs and services they need or deserve. Now we've got a catchment area, a problem-solving court that solves problems, not just a criminal justice court that adjudicates criminally problems, but solves problems by having the Superior Court in a wonderful partnership with the city build capacity and connect people in this catchment area that is, again, this catchment area that is dominantly marked uh, by these dots where we could begin to address people's lives in a substantive and meaningful way in partnerships uh, with the community. I recognize Prop J. Uh, the voters of San Francisco did not want us to permanently commit to funding uh, the Community Justice Court. They want us to look on an annual basis. I understand that. Uh, we have committed $983 million of federal money to the program. We've already got holding cells that are being built out at 555 Polk Street. Uh, we've already 
uh, sign the lease. We're ready to go. We've got to prove ourselves. I'm committed to proving ourselves. And I think this is going to be a huge success story where lives are truly going to be saved. Lives are going to be turned around uh, into the new year. So that's something where we're making some progress. Another area where we look forward to making progress in the new year is redesigning our shelter system. Again, shelter solves sleep. Housing solves homelessness, but you still need shelters in the interim until you build enough capacity for housing. But I don't think our shelters are worth much. I think they're lousy in almost every way. They're unsanitary, they're unsafe, uh, and they don't do anything from my perspective substantively. Again, if it's just about dealing with your few hours of sleep that you need a night, well, that's fine. But that's not why we should be spending tens of millions of dollars a year, and that's what we spend on our shelters. So we've come to look at our shelters as an opportunity by redesigning them and making them more part of our new continuum of care, linking housing to the shelters, linking real programs to the shelters, making them drop-in centers, uh, and focusing on a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week Project Homeless Connect, as opposed to once every six to eight weeks doing them 24 hours a day and doing uh, smaller versions of Project Homeless Connect at the shelter site. We have new providers that will be selected in just a couple months, January of 09, and new services in the middle of next year in our shelter. So this is, again, part of 2008 that will pay dividends in 2009. It's something I'm very excited about, something I look forward to uh, into the new year. Federal funding, people ask where is the money coming from for all this? Well, local money, state money, and take a look at this. In spite of cuts from the federal government, they have been hardly friendly to cities as it relates to poverty programs. Here's an area where we, because we've demonstrated capacity and commitment to produce results, have seen the fundamental result of more money coming into our city. 13 million is what we were receiving in 2004. 24 million, almost twice as much uh, here in the, the new fiscal year. You've seen an 87% increase in federal funding. I'm very proud of that. We want to keep that going. We got a new administration. President Obama versus President Bush should be a lot easier with a President Obama uh, to get funding uh, for anti-poverty programs. The most important anti-poverty program uh, should be targeted at homeless individuals. It has not gotten a lot of attention in the national debates. Homelessness is a manifestation of poverty in the most acute terms. It's not just public housing. It's not just working poor. It's folks out on the streets and sidewalks. We're desperate for Washington, D.C. to recognize this and to reconcile this and to support our efforts. We thank uh, uh, Philip Mangano, uh, who's been doing a great job at HUD, uh, helping secure a lot of this funding. But we look forward to him having a boss uh, that is truly committed to getting us to the next level. SSI advocacy is one way to get to the next level. Uh, look, you have a lot of people eligible for Social Security income uh, that are on local general assistance or a version of our local general assistance. They get more money and the federal government picks up that, uh, that cost. So we want to do more with SSI advocacy. Here's what we've done and here's what we're going to do. In 2004, we had just four case managers. Today, we are looking forward because we've just funded to having uh, over 16 case managers. It's actually a few more, uh, but full-time case managers, 16. In 2004, they dealt with 288 applications. In 2009, again, this is just the beginning of the new year, uh, we project 1,152 applications. 288 to 1,152. This is a big 
initiative and a big proposal as we move into the next year. Here's just your example of claims and awards. Here's going back to 2005. Look how modest it was compared to where we are today. This is a big part of the success story. Thank you again to Trent Rohr. Thank you to Dariush uh, Kayon, uh, Director of, uh, of uh, Homeless Services. Thank you again to Angela Aliotto and the entire team at the 10-year uh, Council to End Chronic Homeless. We're making real progress. Thank you to our friends at the Department of Public Health. And thank you to Jenny Friedenbach and even members of the Coalition of Homeless who say more SSI advocacy is a smart investment. Uh, and I agree with them. And this is an area where we can embrace uh, each other and do more. I imagine we feel the same on food stamps. You know, people coming in waiting to get food stamps um, applications filled out. That's not a way government should work. Government needs to get out behind its desk and outside its office and get out on the streets. And that's what we've been doing on more food stamp uh, outreach. As a consequence, you can see, not dissimilar to SSI advocacy, in, in 2004, you saw about 13,000 folks on the caseload. Now we've gotten up to 16, almost 17,000. We've increased the caseload by 33% by going to St. Anthony's Dining Room and Glide and going out in the lines and getting people that are eligible uh, to fill out the application and drawing down those federal dollars. Again, it's about getting people what they deserve, uh, but they're not aware of or they don't know how to necessarily uh, access. That is a big part of the success of some of the efforts in the last couple of years. What we ultimately can do is get it to a whole nother level by automating all of our programs, by doing an online benefits calculator. This is something in the new year that excites me as much or more than anything else we're working on. And that is one stop where you literally fill out one form in all of your eligibility that you, you, you print in all of your specific needs, your income, family members, et cetera, your history, and every conceivable thing that you're eligible for automatically is pre-printed and then printed out for you. Food stamps, SSI advocacy, uh, uh, bank on San Francisco free checking accounts, uh, whether or not you're eligible for housing programs, eligible for loan programs, eligible for everything you can imagine, including the Working Families Tax Credit, the Federal Earned Income Tax Credit, Medi-Cal, uh, school lunch program, the WIC program, all of these things. We want to put this under one database. We're working with the United Way that has committed some $550,000, not only to connect all those dots between what local, state, and federal programs are doing, but to connect regional partners, to connect what Alameda County and Contra Costa County are doing with L.A. County and San Diego County uh, in other parts of our state, so that we're all sharing the same database, so people are receiving benefits in one community that the computers are connecting with benefits that are being provided, uh, similar people or the same people in another community, so that we can maximize utilization. That's the benefits calculator. That's something we've been working on, something that we're working with the Tipping Point and Daniel Lurie, this great nonprofit organization, to expand and promote something that, again, I think will pay for itself and pay great dividends in the future. Foster care, another area. We've been fighting hard on foster care reform. We know we can do better. We know we can do more. And we have been doing better and have been doing more. Look at the caseload decline since when we got into office. 2,222 people. Now we're down to 1,592. 28% reduction in the caseload of foster care. And you see the biggest subset of that reduction, 31.7% reduction in the number of African Americans on the caseload. Foster care is part of poverty eradication, is part of issues of homelessness. All these emancipated 
youth, all the realities and the struggles and travails of emancipated youth. This is something we're proud of. We've still got to get it way down. It's still not where uh, we need uh, to be. You can see one of the ways we're doing that is we're keeping families together. Look at where we were uh, way back in the 80s. Uh, where we had foster care uh, that was completely disconnected. Again, subset African-American community, the top line, Latino community, where we weren't connecting with families like we're connecting with families now, that we've been able to keep families together in an unprecedented way in the last number of years. We've been doing as well, not only keeping families together, uh, but we've also been increasing the transitional housing opportunities uh, for youth. Take a look at this slide uh, right here. 31 transitional housing uh, units available when we started. Now 134. We had 107 last year in 2008, up to 134 transitional housing youth uh, for foster care uh, youth. So we can continue. We should continue. We have continued in the last few years. We will continue in the next few years to do more. Again, keep people with their families, reduce the caseload by doing that, and continue to provide more transitional opportunity uh, for youth as well. Poverty, you can't deal with poverty without dealing with housing. And how have we dealt with housing in San Francisco? We established a framework called 15 and 5, our goal and desire to develop 15,000 housing units over five years between 2005 and 2010 in San Francisco, the most ambitious housing goal in our city's history. Well, to say is not to do. So where are we? Let's take a look. We have already, in the last number of years, developed some 7,238 housing units. Over 7,500 others are now in construction. We're well on our way to not just meeting this ambitious goal, but to exceeding it. We've seen historic investments in affordable housing in the city. This is something that doesn't get much attention. It deserves, I think, a lot more. In 2004-2005, we had $109 million commitment to affordable housing in the city. Take a look. Even though we've had budget deficits, look at our affordable housing funding. It ratcheted up to $223.7 million. Now, it peaked at 226 last year, or the previous year, 223.7, near its historic high, from 109 to $223.7 million. So we're making the investment, not just building housing, but affordable housing that's being subsidized through our inclusionary housing programs and our other programs that are producing this type of housing uh, funding or this affordable housing funding. Uh, you can see the productions, 4,030 affordable housing units completed since 2004. Again, please find me a time. I'm not aware, and maybe I don't mean to suggest that I'm absolutely right about this, but I don't know of another time in our city's history where we develop more housing for people at all income levels than we are currently building in San Francisco. I know it's not enough. I know people still feel the pressure and the price uh, 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 issues. Uh, and the elasticity of price is still such that people are moving out, particularly families. But look what we've done. More than ever, we got to keep doing better when we will. We're committed to that into the future. Uh, one of the areas where we are absolutely going to do more and do better is the issue of funding for public housing. This is an amazing stat. I used this in last year's um, um, State of the City uh, presentation. Here's the National Hope 6 funding. This is for all the public housing 
in the entire country to rebuild it along the lines of what we've done at Valencia Gardens and North Beach and Bernal Dwellings, etc. The entire federal budget for Hope 6 is $94.5 million for the United States of America. Here is what we did last year. $95 million. We put more money in to our local budget than the entire federal government put in to their federal budget. And we did that because we wanted to replicate the success of North Beach Place. We wanted to replicate the success of Valencia Garden. We want to do that because we have $260 million of backlog uh, for uh, uh, needs and repairs, deferred maintenance at our public housing sites. Uh, we need to do a better job. We're going to start by using portion of that $100 million by rebuilding Hunter's View. Hunter's View is an area up at Bayview Hunter's Point. This is the new site map. This is where the old power plant, the Bayview Hunter's Point power plant, uh, was. It's now gone. This is a site with 267 units currently. We're going to convert it to 750 mixed income housing units. Senior center, child care center on site, world-class development, green building standards, parks, open space, playgrounds, job creation opportunities, etc. This is what it's all about. This is what the next president needs to be doing more of. We need to refund Hope 6. San Francisco should not be doing this on its own. We're doing it because we're committed. The board, I want to thank all of them for supporting this initiative, at least 10 out of 11 of them. One supervisor, for whatever reason, Supervisor Daly opposed to uh, this, these proposals, this project, uh, but we're committed to it and we're very uh, fortunate uh, to have the funding to go forward because of their leadership. Uh, here is some of the other things that we've been doing at the Housing Authority. Look, our Housing Authority is not where it needs to be. It hasn't been for years. I'm not satisfied. I'm not pleased. But we've got a new director, um, Henry Alvarez. I think he's doing an outstanding job. You can see some of the work he's been doing. 428 vacant apartments have been repaired. Uh, they've gotten back online. The problem is HUD looks at the quality of our housing, and they have trailing uh, a couple years old. They've done some reports, and it's, it's basically a troubled status right now. Uh, it's not where it needs to be. We've had settlement issues, claims issues. Uh, we recognize that we've got to do more and do better. Hope 6 is a big part of it. But also we have funded, we gave about $4 million, up to $5 million of general fund set aside to help with the deferred maintenance and repairs to just do some of the basic things at our public housing uh, facilities as well. Again, the city backfilling the federal government's responsibility. It's the federal government that owns this housing. They're just not stepping up to the plate, not doing their job. You can see what some of those, that some of that do, those dollars have done. Uh, here's some before and after photos of some of the programs. We're putting Wi-Fi in all the housing projects as well. Uh, you can see here uh, a big part of that focus is closing the digital divide. Uh, we've got an um, the Alice Griffin housing sites we're doing in Sunnydale. Uh, we're doing it at Bernal Dwellings. We're doing uh, at uh, Westbrook. Uh, we're doing all of the housing authority sites. The goal is to have over 2,000 low-income housing sites have free Wi-Fi. Working with partnership with Meraki, doing a network of networks, uh, partners as well like FON, uh, that are doing Wi-Fi in absence of our Wi-Fi initiative uh, with Google and Earthlink. We've been able to do this network of networks targeting low-income communities, targeting the Mission District and the Tenderloin and our public housing sites. Over 155,000 individual users uh, now accessing just the Meraki network of networks in San Francisco alone. Uh, Meraki actually moved its headquarters into San Francisco. They're the big driver 
of helping us uh, uh, deal with the digital divide issue by focusing our investment and having all of our public housing completely Wi-Fi'd uh, in just the next few months. You can see that more than 25 housing units will be online by the end of the uh, month. In addition, we have developed a strategy with the digital divide to provide over 1,081 refurbished computers uh, that local businesses and nonprofits have donated, again, to address the need not just to have access uh, with the Internet uh, through Wi-Fi technology, but also to have uh, the, the hardware uh, and the tools to do it. Minimum wage, you know, take a look at this slide. Uh, the second highest minimum wage in the United States of America, $9.79 next month. Uh, no other city in the United States uh, does more uh, with their minimum wage. A working families tax credit to allow working families to keep more of what they earn, a local earned income tax credit. We think we're the only city in the United States that has a local earned income tax credit. Close to 13,000, that slide actually needs to be updated. Uh, families have taken advantage of the working families tax credit, uh, and it's making a big difference in drawing down federal earned income tax credit dollars. Ten plus million dollars more in federal earned income tax credit has been drawn down since we initiated the local uh, program so it promotes the federal program at the same time we promote giving uh, working families more of what they are in bank on San Francisco a national model uh, this is incredible 24,714 accounts when we started we were hoping to have about 10,000 accounts on an annual basis the last 24 months 24,714 average bank account $980 uh, we have 17 um, um, different banks and credit unions that are part of this. It's now a national model. The Schwarzenegger administration is doing Bank on California. You can see uh, that 60 cities and 33 states are now uh, uh, doing similar efforts. 80% of these accounts are still in good standing. It's all about poverty eradication. It's not just dealing with income. It's also dealing with assets, and it's focusing on people to stabilize their lives by having a savings mentality and thinking differently about savings and thinking differently about their lives in terms of getting their credit histories uh, uh, to improve uh, and creating more stability in their lives. A great program. I want to thank Treasurer Jose Cisneros for his outstanding leadership. Uh, this is a truly model program, something that we all should be very, very proud of. Uh, and speaking of model programs to be proud of, we all have, when we're born, a birth tax, and that is this national debt that we're all born with. I want to do a version of a baby bond for every child born in public housing. I think every child should be born with a bank account, a trust fund. We start with $500, and through their lives until they're 18, we match that savings. We create incentives, private sector, the nonprofit sector, and match that savings. Family members can donate to that children's uh, fund. We call it the Futures Fund. The whole idea is to instill savings and financial literacy and really focus on getting people ahead and moving ahead. This is something in 2009 that I'm absolutely committed to. I announced it last year in January uh, at my inaugural for my second term. We have not deviated from this commitment. We're absolutely resolved to advancing it. As we are advancing our whole network of networks, we call it, this communities of opportunity, uh, to take all these programs that are in silos and connect them together. Dwayne Jones and others leading the way, identifying families at risks, making sure that we stabilize people with housing, and then deal with all the other myriad of issues that led them into poverty or in marginal um, uh, poverty in the first place or, or on the cusp of falling into poverty. Communities of opportunity, uh, something, again, we're proud of, something that's modeled after the Harlem Children's Zone and what Jeffrey Canada has done uh, back east. Finally, family flight. 
and this goes to the subset of everything else we just talked about. Issues of cost, affordability, housing, affordable housing, family-friendly housing, issues of education, access to education. I hope uh, you look at the totality of this presentation. You look at the education section. You'll see what we're doing in education, early childhood education, preschool programs and the like, what we're doing with Hope 6. Most uh, impactful thing we can do uh, for family flight is to invest in rebuilding public housing where so many families live in our city. You can see the working families tax credits, the benefit programs, the partnerships that I talked about again at the school district. All of these are areas addressing family flight. We have a family uh, council. Uh, we have focused a lot of time and attention on this. Uh, in the next few months I'll be announcing some of the uh, next steps and the benchmarks on family flight in San Francisco, but a lot of progress uh, is being made uh, on a very tough issue because it's been since the 1970s that we've lost the middle class in our city. Since the 70s, we started to see families leave our city. Can't be turned around like that, but we are committed to doing a better job at it. And finally, on that point, we've also put together an African-American flight task force, a subset of this, looking at African-American families that are leaving our city in even disproportionate comparison uh, to, that, uh, to the larger issue of families leaving a dominant or disproportionate number of those families are African-American families. And we have just finished that report, which we'll also be submitting uh, next month, uh, and specific recommendations and strategies to deal with African-American flight. Uh, so that's the, that's the sum total of some of the work we're doing on poverty eradication, families, um, homelessness, uh, and the like. Uh, I'm proud of the efforts. I'm proud of some of the accomplishments. I'm proud of the benchmarks into the new year and the commitments we've made. I think 2009 is going to be the best year yet. In spite of the economic conditions, I think the city is serving uh, uh, those in need as well or better than any other big city in America. We could do more, but we hope we have a partner in the White House to do more, and we expect that we're going to have a lot more relief uh, into the next few years with a Democratic Congress and a new president.